Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for your presence. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take just a moment and greet five or six people around you. Tell somebody it's good to see them tonight. And say it with a look on your face that actually conveys that you're glad to see them. Amen. Teaching, good to see you tonight, buddy. Amen. And before we uh, get into our Bible study tonight, um, I'm gonna. I've, my dad's here. He came down to get his RV uh, dewinterized and ready for the season. But since he's here tonight, uh, I'd like him to come and greet us. And uh, Amen. Anytime we have. As my dad, anytime he's here, but as, as our bishop, amen, we're honored to have him. We want him to come and just share a testimony with us, amen. Pray for D.C. They've got an offering on a building right now in southeast D.C., amen. Thank you, son. Um, I'm honored uh, to be here. You know, I've traveled quite a bit. There's just no place like uh, the church here in uh, at Living Hope, Maryland. It's just a... Amazing! You have done an incredible job. There's a world that's about, it, it's on the verge. God is moving on the hearts of people. And this, I know you know this, but this is not big enough for what God is going to do. I know it, you got to deal with what you got. But I promise you, the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen is on the verge of happening. People are hungry. <laughs> People are uncertain about their futures, and fear grips the hearts of many. And the church is the place. The church is the place where they can find peace and comfort, strength and courage to face tomorrow. And I'm honored to be here with you tonight. It's always special to me. And uh, my wife, um, she would be here, but she's got a like a ladies thing going on starting tomorrow and uh, so she's uh, kind of just resting so that she can be ready to whatever splurge go crazy but y'all know my wife she's not gonna go crazy she's the steady one of the bunch we <laughs> we love you all and thank you thank you son my what an incredible group of people and leadership that's here and watching the young people develop. I watch a lot on Sunday afternoon, well, Sunday, 11 o'clock service, and I see the worship and the, uh, the ministry of the Word that's taking place here, the families that are being touched by the presence of God. And I really am very, I don't know if this is the right word to say, but I'm very proud of you all. Y'all are... Um, faithful servants of the Lord, and I'm honored to be here with you tonight. God bless you. Amen. 
Well, if you want to grab your Bibles and turn me to the book of Acts chapter 2. I know the last time I was here in the pulpit on uh, Sunday night, a week, uh, week and a half ago, I think I preached from Acts chapter 2. But I think we're living in an Acts chapter 2 kind of day. Amen. We need an Acts chapter 2 move of God. And our world is hungry for an Acts chapter 2 church. How many you believe that? Our world... They may not know it. They might think the church is the problem. But that's because they've been deceived by the enemy. The church is the answer to all of their problems. Well, God in, in the church. Amen. The, the church is God's New Testament plan to save the world. It's like Noah's Ark was the, old, the, the plan for that time. The church is the plan for this day. And so it, it's what our world needs. Amen. Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're going to read about 10 verses in your standing. I did put a slideshow in there. I think it's called, uh, no, it didn't show up. If not, no problem. I think it's called a growth culture, some of that nature. If not, it's not a huge deal. Uh, either way, we can get the scriptures on there. And most of you look like you got your Bibles. By the way, last Wednesday night, wasn't that a great turnout we had? I mean, I saw that, and I'm like, man, we, we're going to have great crowds from now on on Wednesday nights because I done seen what can show up on a Wednesday night. <laughs> That's what they call a pastoral setup right there is what that, I'm kidding. Um, and don't forget, we start our Blitz classes next Wednesday night. And uh, I know we've already announced that. There are sign-up sheets in the foyer, and that's going to be a six-week series. And uh, so we want, we're, our goal is we want to be inviting uh, all of our guests that were there. If you had a friend that came last to our cookout, we got another one planned for September 8th. And uh, we also have our Blitz classes, so... We want to be inviting people to come to be a part of those. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Here we go. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise. Amen. How we know as apostolics, we know what that promise is, right? It is the Holy Ghost, the same one that back in Acts chapter 1, he said, go and wait in Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem for the promise. That's why we don't preach the Holy Ghost is something optional, because it is the promise. Amen. It is the promise of God. It's the, the reason they hung out in Jerusalem for 10 days is because of what we're reading right here in Acts chapter 2, and it's for us today as we're going to read. He said, that promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Everybody tell your neighbor, that's us. Amen. That promise, this promise is not going to end until the end of the age of the church. It's for everybody. Amen. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. I'm going to pause there for a moment because I heard a preacher recently preach, and he said with one passage of Scripture, I think he said it's like 40 words. Jesus told us how to be saved, how to get in, how to make it to heaven. But then he said there were many other words that had to be exhorted into teaching them how to separate yourself from this world. All right, it's a process to get saved from this world. Amen. It doesn't just happen. You don't just get the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden you're no longer like this world. There's with many other words that he exhort them. Amen. It's a continuing process. Verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day, there were added to them about 3,000 souls. 
Amen. I, I wonder, are we ready for a 3,000 soul revival? Well, we're, we're facility-wise, we're not quite ready for it. We can get ready. Amen. God will provide the miracle for it. But we'd find a way, right? If we had 3,000 people, we'd pull up in the parking lot Sunday morning, and there's vehicles enough for 3,000 to, we, we'd have to... We'd have to do some things a little bit out of the ordinary, huh? I don't know how many services would it take to facilitate 3,000 people. Full day. 15 services maybe at 200, is that right? Am I getting that right? 10? 10 at 300, 15? So y'all leaders, you ready for 15 services this coming Sunday? All right. So so searching time right now. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. And I do want to pause and give honor to our children's ministry who are right now and many of our youth as well that are helping out right now with our uh, vacation Bible school. And if you didn't get a chance to uh, see, they've done a great job at decorating. And I think last night there was 30-something children that were here. So I know they, they might hear us if we make enough noise, but can we just make some noise for our children's ministry? And Brother Sylvia had an engineer's hat on. Uh, he was in disguise, full disguise, had a little uh, glue-on mustache or tape-on mustache and an engineer. I didn't even know who it was at first, but I'm kidding. I didn't know who, who it was. But uh, I want to talk to us tonight for just uh, a little bit on uh, and teach probably more so from a on this thought, from a great culture to a growth culture. Amen. From a great culture to a growth culture. Uh, And I would start just by saying that God has been dealing with me a lot recently about our culture, about the culture of living hope. And I I, I don't think it was a negative. And good to see Brother West. He just walked in. Pastor Jerry West from D.C. We're glad to have him here tonight. He brought his kids all the way down for vacation Bible school tonight. And so we're, we're honored to have him here. But um, I, I do think, no, I know that God has been dealing with me about the culture of living hope. And how many of you know you can feel culture? When you walk into a, a business and the, 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 the culture of that business is, is a positive culture, you can feel it, right? You go to, there's, there's a difference between the culture at Chick-fil-A and some of the other cultures. I'll just leave it vague. All right, we, we won't put anybody on blast. But there is a different culture there. They treat you differently. The employees seem to be at least happy to be there, right? And, and it's not always that way everywhere you go. And that, that's because they've created culture. And that culture is kept in place by policies that we have, they have and training that they do. There's a lot of things that go into culture, but you can feel culture when you walk into a place. And I would say that what God began to deal with me about is, first of all, it was kind of affirming. Uh, as my dad said a, a moment ago, this is a great church. All right, everybody smile. That, that, that mean, I'm talking about you as individuals. That means you're great people. All right, that, this is a great church. It really is not an average church. It's not a good church. This is a great church. All right, you hear ministers come, and just about every minister that comes to stand in this pulpit says, 
You don't feel what you feel in every other church around the country. This is a special church. I don't pay them extra to say that. Right? I, I try to pay them good, but it's not so they'll say that. It's because you know I want them to be blessed, and I want them to come back, and I want them to say good things about us other places that they go. But they're saying that because this really is a special church. It's a great church. Tell your neighbor, this is a great church. Amen. Some of you didn't say it. Say it again. This is a great church. All right? It's a great church. Um, it, it, it's, a church it's a great church because it has a great culture. And culture doesn't just happen because you put a sign up or you put some posters up. Culture is something that's created over time. And, and I would say some of the earmarks of the culture of this church is a culture of unity, right? There's a great unity in this church. Uh, it, it is a culture of excellence, right? I believe that everything that we do at this church has a, uh, a mark of excellence. Right? We have great worship. We really do. We have great music, not just talent, but anointing, amen? Great. We have great uh, vocalists. We have great musicians that play the instruments, uh, great sound team back there, just all around. Uh, you, you don't have to walk into Living Hope and be here for more than five or ten minutes and know that there is excellence at, here at Living Hope. Amen. But what I, what I feel God saying to me is that God wants us to transform from being a culture of greatness or a great culture to a growth culture. And there is a difference. All right. There's a difference between just being a great culture and being a growth culture. So we read in the book of Acts and we find that the New Testament church uh, I believe from Acts 1, I believe in Acts chapter 1, we will find a great culture. And then in Acts 2, there's a transformation and they go to a growth culture. So I want to look at some of those things that we find. Uh, how many of you want to be a growth, a growth culture, a church where there's growth taking place? Where when people walk in, they feel this is a church that is, this is, a church that is going places. How many of you want to, I want to be a part of something that's doing great things. If I'm going to be a, football, a fan of a football team, I want it to be of a team that is doing good. It doesn't always work out that way, but I'd like for it to be that way. All right, right now, I don't know who I'm a fan of. We don't have a name still. We still somebody do something about that. Give us a name. We need a name. All right. Anyway, and some of you I know think you've already given us a name. Well, I rebuke you. Okay, We got Washington winners. I like it. It has a, it has a ring to it. Some All right. Anyway, if I'm going to be a part of something, I, wanna be, I want it to be going in the right direction, right? If I'm going to get on a train, I want to know that train is going in a positive direction. I'm not going to get on a train where they say there's a bridge broken down a mile down there. If you want to get on this train, we're headed toward that bridge that's washed out. I don't want to get on that train. I want to be on a train that's headed in the right direction. And, and so uh, uh, when people walk in, they can feel this church is headed in the right direction. This church is headed in a positive direction. So they can feel that culture. Uh, a few factors that we knew we, that we know uh, about this Acts chapter two great culture is before it was a rather growth culture. Before it was the Acts chapter two church, it was the Acts chapter one church. Before it was a great culture, before it was a growth culture, I'll get it. It was a great culture. So, trying to pick words that have the same letters that start can can mess you up as well. Before it was a growth culture, it was a great culture. So let's look at Acts chapter one. Let's look at the great culture before we talk about uh, the earmarks and what, we, what, what God is going to lead us to do. Because how many of you know, what was the best thing that happened in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Ghost was poured out. All right, that's really, if you want to know, what, well, what transformed them from a great culture to a growth culture? It was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's really the, the main ingredient. There's other things that we can do to participate in that, 
and we're going to talk about those, but really the key element is what transformed them from great to growth was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, and so I want us to look at, first of all, at Acts chapter 1 and look at verse 15. And, and I just want to kind of, some of the things that stood out to me about the, the, the elements of a great culture, of an Acts chapter 1 church. The first thing is we know in Acts chapter 2, when we get down to verse, uh, toward verse, uh, I, I, the middle of the chapter, I, I, verse 14, exactly there, I pinpointed it while I was talking. But we know this, that Peter stands up in the midst of unbelievers that are seeing these believers intoxicated, or at least that's what they think they are. And Peter stands up and begins to preach to unbelievers. But that's growth culture. But great culture, Peter stands up in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, and he stands up in the midst of the disciples. So if we look at that, a great culture is a culture where it's preaching that challenges the church. All right, there... Growth culture is where we're preaching to the lost, but a great culture is where we're preaching to the church, all right? And, and that's necessary, and I'll, I'll hopefully bring some more clarity to that in a few minutes. But on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up in the midst of the unsaved, but what precedes that, what's got to precede us preaching to the unsaved is we've got we to have preaching in here that challenges the saved, all right? We've got to have preaching in here that challenges the church to grow, that challenges you as an individual to grow. That challenges you not to just come and be spoon-fed, but to take what you receive here and go home and study for yourself and, and get your family around you. Amen. Our, if our families aren't strong, we're not ever going to be a growth culture church if we're not a great culture that proceeds beyond here into our homes. Amen. Uh, so let's go to verse 16. So the first element is that there is preaching that challenges the church. All right, that, that's an, an attribute of a great culture, is there's preaching that challenges the church. Now, I know you said, well, that's every church, right? No, it's, it's actually not. Many churches today are not preaching doctrines. They're not preaching things that actually challenge spiritual growth. They're preaching things that make you a better person, right? They help you to be more successful in this life. Well, I, I believe on Wednesday night, Blitz, we do some of that. But there needs to be preaching that challenges us to grow. All right, verse 16, let's look at another attribute. The Bible says that, uh, I'll read it, men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost spake by the mouth of David concerning Judas, which was the guide to them that took Jesus. The second attribute of a great culture or a great, uh, the, the, the great culture is that it's important that scripture is being fulfilled. We want the word of God. Everything that we do is about the scripture. All right, we're not just here on our mandate. We're not here trying to fulfill our plans and build our own kingdom. Amen. We're, we're not here building our own little kingdom. Uh, anyway, that's, some of you will catch on to that. Um, that's an insight. Anyway, uh, but, but we're here building the kingdom of God. If any of you have never, never seen the video of the pastor that just goes off on his congregation, I just want to challenge you to watch that. It will make you appreciate me more if you watch that one time. Anybody, how many of you have seen that video? If you haven't, by the end of service, I would like for us to have the name of that so everybody can watch that. Uh, he just goes ballistic on that congregation. He, this is, I'm, I'm not referencing it, but he says something about the sound men building their own little kingdom back there. So that was what that reference was. Uh, anyway, watch the video and you can laugh about it later. So, but but a, a, a great culture is where it's important to us that scripture is being fulfilled. It's important to us that we're 
that we are fulfilling what the Word of God says. It's important to us that everything that we do in our services honors the Word of God. Amen, that's important. That's a great culture when Scripture matters to us. It's, now, you might think it might be a, a, a you might have, you know, great uh, administration. You might have a great building. You might have great facilities and great structure. But it's not a great culture in the church unless, if you're not really concerned with how biblical it is. But a great spiritual culture is a culture where we care what the Bible says. We, we want Scripture to be fulfilled. All right, continuing in verse 16, they also understood the importance of structure. So if we look at uh, verse 16, Peter says this, that Scripture has to be fulfilled, and then he goes on and references talking about Judas. He's saying Judas has to be there's got to be somebody replacing Judas. All right, and, and really, if you look at that and study it, there Simon Peter is referencing Psalms chapter 69, verse 25, and Psalms chapter 109, verse 8, which basically are talking, those are psalmist prophetic utterances that have been written saying that God established something and it can't be left void. So God put 12 disciples in place. Obviously, we know Judas backed out on the deal, to put it mildly. He got out of it. And now Simon Peter is saying, well, there's got to be 12 because Scripture has to be fulfilled. So the next point is that a great culture realizes that structure is important. All right, There's got to be good structure in the church. It can't just be we come and there's chaos and just whoever wants to do whatever they want to do, you know, open mic every service and everybody just come grab the mic and, you know, if you've got a testimony, you can tell it. If you want to sing a song, you can sing it. doesn't matter if you're on key or off key or in, on tune or off tune. doesn't matter. We're just all going to do our own thing. That's chaos. And a great culture is where people recognize structure matters. We need structure. How many of you believe structure is important? Okay. How many of you believe that in, in your physical body, structure, well, that, that's called, those are your bones. Anybody ever broken one? Then you had a revelation of how important Structure is, right? Anybody ever kick something and you're, you're just your pinky toe? Whoever thinks about your pinky toe? Well, when you stub it, all of a sudden, ah, that's an important part of my body. All right? So structure is important. There has to be authority. There has to be structure. There has to be a flow of authority. There, there has to be in place. And a great culture recognizes the importance of structure. Let's go down to verses 23 through 26. So they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, uh, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias, and they prayed, everybody say they prayed, and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he might take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the twelve, I'm sorry, with the eleven apostles. So the next thing that I would say is a great culture is a culture where ministry is led by the Spirit. They wanted to know not just let's pick the guy that we think is most qualified, but they prayed and they said, God, we want, we want the ministry of this church to be established and to be led by the Spirit. We, every decision we make needs to be Spirit-led. We need to be seeking God in prayer. Amen? That's a great culture when we are led by the Spirit, when the ministry of the church is led by, spirit, by the Spirit. And then let's carry on to uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, which I believe is kind of the conclusion of the Acts chapter 1 great culture and the entering in of the Acts chapter 2 growth culture. And the Bible tells us that they tarried there. All right? Well, the inference is in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that tarrying comes to an end 
on the day of Pentecost. And the reason that's important because we know the day of Pentecost is 50 days after the resurrection, right? Or after the Passover. All right, so 50 days. So, and the last time we read in the book of Acts chapter 1, it had been 40 days. So in other words, just simple math tells us they have been in the upper room 10 minutes. Or not 10 minutes, 10 days. 10 days. 10 days they've tarried in the upper room and they have waited in the upper room. And, and, and the next thing that I would say, they tarried there 10 days. Oh, it was just them. Everybody say it was just them. Now I love all of you all and I hope you love me too. But I don't know how long we could all coexist in the same room together for 10 days. And I've been in the upper room or at least where they say the upper room is. And it's not quite as big as this. A few of you have been there. It's not that big of a room. 120 plus women and children, I think, is the math on that. So it's probably more than 120 are there in that upper room. It was, all right, there, you, you didn't have social distancing in that room. All right, you didn't have your personal space. You were packed in 10 days, everybody in the same room. What does that tell you? They loved each other. All right, or, or at least they could put up with one another. All right, how many of you really love, you love, you love your pastor? But you like going home to your own home when service is over. <laughs> Brother Tyler put both hands up. Field goal is good. All right. Um, so I believe we love one another. But to stay in the same room for 10 days, if we are all here together one day, I'd say, man, that was fun. I remember when I was a kid, uh, we had a hurricane come through, and they were expecting it to wipe, you know, Pax River and Lexington Park off the map. And so I remember we lived over in the, the uh, ranch club, it was called then, and we tape, put duct tape on all of our windows, and everybody, the whole church came, and we all boarded up in the Midway Drive building. The whole church did. And, it, man, as a kid, I was like, this is awesome. All right? We had food. Like, I think the next morning they did a breakfast there. The storm totally missed us, turned the other way. My dad was probably praying again, and the storm went the other way. I mean, he has it. If you want a snowstorm to miss you on Sunday, he's your guy. He'll pray it away every time. Uh, when I was a kid, I was like, Dad, please stop praying. Now that I'm a pastor, I'm like, Dad, can you say one more prayer? All right. Uh, anyway, so I remember that, and, and I, to me it was awesome. But, but I can remember some of the adults were like, all right, they were ready to get out of there and, and go back to their one day is good. That's great memories. It was fun. Two days, eh, we're, we're, you know, we're probably starting to get on each other's nerves a little bit, especially I don't know if there was a shower in the upper room. I'm pretty positive there was not. So after three days... All right, it's not just can we all get along, it's can we stand each other. All right, 10 days, they tarried together in that unity and fellowship is, is the point that I, would, that I would bring out. They were A great church is a culture of unity and fellowship where we truly love one another. We don't just get along, we don't, you know, I can put up with you. No, it's a, it's a, it's a culture of unity where we truly love one another. And I believe that here at Living Hope we have that culture. Amen. I believe if it came down to it, we could, we could make it 10 days. and We got a little more room in this building, all right? You, you could, we could spread out a little bit. But how many of you think we could do it? We could pull it off. We're not, don't worry. We're not going to do a fire drill to see if we really can. But I believe we could. All right? So the, these are just some of the elements of the Acts chapter 1 great culture that I have kind of just in browsing through brought out. So I'm, I'm just going to go back through one more time. Uh, right, it's, it's a great culture. A great culture of a church is a culture where there is preaching that challenges the church, right? That was number one. Secondly, where, where it's important to us that Scripture is being fulfilled. That's a great culture for a church. The next one is it, we recognize the importance of structure, all right? That, that's a, that, that brings great culture to a church. Next is it's a culture where the ministry is led by the Spirit. 
All right? If you ever get into a place where you're in a church where the ministry is not led by the Spirit, you'll, you'll feel that. This is not good. Something's not right here. We're not being led by the Spirit. All right? Next, again, it's a culture where there's unity and fellowship. Now, if we continue to dig through there, I'm not going to point out everyone as, as, and expound on it like I have those, but prayer, right? The Bible says they prayed. They prayed together. Verse 14, it references that. Verse 11 tells me that they looked steadfastly into heaven. All right, that's Acts chapter 1, verse 8 culture. They were looking toward heaven, right? Jesus ascends into the heaven, and the Bible says they were looking steadfastly into heaven. Amen. That's a great, I believe this church is looking toward heaven. I believe this church is looking toward Jesus Christ. I believe that, that when we go through things, I believe the people of this church know how to pray. I believe we know how to look to God for an answer. Amen. I believe we know how to come and seek the face of God. And then verse 11, it also says that, you know, while they're staring up into heaven, that they come and say, why, why are you staring into heaven? That same Jesus that you saw ascend, he's going to descend in like manner. And I believe that's a, that also is a culture, of a, a, a mark of a great culture, is that we're looking for the return of Jesus. And I believe this church is still believes that Jesus is on his way back. How do you believe that? I believe, literally, I believe it could be any day now that Jesus could return. Prophecy is being fulfilled by the minute. Jesus is on it. And, 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 and when there is a church, that there's a great culture, it's a church that is looking toward heaven for the things that we need, but we're expecting his return, that Jesus is on his way back. Amen. I, I believe we're in a great church because everything that I just named, every one of those attributes that I see in the Acts chapter 1 church are evident in this church. People feel that when they walk in. This is a great church. There's unity here. They love one another. Right? There's unity that crosses racial boundaries. There's unity that crosses generational boundaries. This is a great How many of you have had people tell you that it's a great church? Even guests that walk in, first time they come in, it's a great church. It feels, it, I feel, it feels just as a great church. So these are, everything I've named are the attributes of a great church. And that, and, and that Acts chapter 1 was a great culture, but it was not a growth culture. They were gathered, but they weren't growing. They were structured and methodized, but they were not mobilized. They were collected, but they weren't contagious. The Acts chapter 1 church, if there hadn't been the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, if there hadn't been that, that invigorating power of God that launched them out of that room, they, they might still be there, mummified in the upper room. And unfortunately, many churches have great culture, but they become mummified. They never go from great to growth. They never leave great culture and turn to growth culture. I don't believe God called us just to be great. He called the church to grow. Amen. Amen. He didn't just call us to come together and have great culture where we love each other. And, you know, we just come together and have our little holy huddle. That's not what he called us to do. He called us to reach our world and to see this city saved with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want to bring out, though, and that is this. The, the Acts 2 church didn't stop being an Acts 1 church. All right, They didn't stop, well, we've got to be a growth church now, so we're going to stop being great. They didn't do that. All of the elements of Acts chapter 1, they continued in that. They continued in fellowship. They continued to love one another. They continued, you, look, you read the book of Acts closely, and you're going to find there, there was a time when, when uh, the apostle Peter and Paul they, they came, they, they withstood one another, they, they challenged one another over the, the issue of circumcision. All right, they, so they didn't stop challenging. Yes, they started preaching to the lost, but they still came together and they preached to one another. 
the Acts chapter 2 church, we can't stop being the Acts chapter 1 church. And I think sometimes we're so afraid of a growth culture because we feel like we'll lose our great culture. I'm afraid of a growth culture because, you know, I, I like what we have here. I like, I like you know, the, the fact that we can all be together and love one another. And so I'm not sure if I want to leave that and start reaching a, a, a world that's full of messed up people. I, I, why don't we just make sure every, what we've got is ready? Well, we can't lose what we've got, but there's more that God has for us. And so we're not going to stop being an Acts 1 church, but God is calling us to be in an Acts 2 church. How many of you believe that? Would you raise your hands and say, I believe that, Pastor? How many of you are, are, are ready for God to challenge us as a church not to stop being an Acts 1 church, but to move on in all of that and let's start being an Acts 2 church? Amen. That God, we're ready for you to give us exponential growth. So yes, the Acts 2 church preached to the lost, but they still preached to the church. Yes, they became a spirit-led church, but they were also still a scripture-based church. It was still important to the Acts 2 church that scripture be fulfilled. Yes, they would go into their cities and reach the lost, but they also continued in unity and in fellowship. So we can't surrender the great culture, and we shouldn't surrender the great culture that we have developed, and it's taken us a long time to develop this great culture. All right, the, the guy sitting over here on the front row is responsible for the great culture this church has, much of it. And, and we're not going to surrender that. We're not, it's taken us a long time to build this culture where every person that walks in knows that they're welcome. And they know there's a purpose and a plan for their lives. So we're not going to surrender that. Amen. But we aren't going to stay here. So I believe that God is calling us and challenging us to move to a growth culture. And I believe there is a discernible, definable attribute, or many of them, discernible and, and, and definable attributes that distinguish a growth culture in a church. Just like we can feel a great culture, I believe when people walk in, they can feel a growth culture. And there are things that we're going to look at in the, the book of Acts, chapter 2, that we're going to look at. But I want to I use something maybe a little bit more uh, modern as kind of a guideline or a, a framework that we're going to build off of. And I talked last September... Uh, I look back in some notes, and I talked about this a little bit. Now, it's been a long time ago, so if you remember, you get a blue ribbon um, because, uh, you know, most times if people remember what I preached two weeks ago, I'm happy with that. So if you can remember from last September. But I, I want us to use kind of, you know, in this pandemic that we've been going through, that uh, there's been a lot of steps taken and a lot of uh, guidelines given and, and uh, mandates even passed down. Uh, suggestions made even on what we need to do to make sure we're not contagious. All right, everybody know what I'm talking about? All right, they tell us, wash your hands, use sanitizer and wear your mask, stay six feet apart. All, all these different things are in an effort to inoculate us, right, and to where we're not, con I'm, everybody's like making your own, listen, I'm just, I'm just using this as a framework. We're not going to go off into other tangents. I see everybody real, right now real nervous about where I'm going. All right, I want to use because our goal is, and I'm talking spiritually right now, okay, for everybody watching online, I'm talking spiritually. Our goal is to be contagious. Not, not, I'm not talking about COVID right now, okay? Everybody's like, wow, this guy's really lost his mind. I'm talking about I want to be contagious. I want the joy that I have to be contagious. I want the peace that I have to be contagious. I want the salvation that I have to be contagious. I don't want to be inoculated. I don't want to keep it to myself. I want everybody to get what I've got. 
Again, for those of you online, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. All right, so I believe by looking at some of the uh, mandates and different things that have been passed down, again, within the principles of Scripture, we need to do the opposite of what they're telling us if we want to be contagious. So, and everybody understands right now I'm talking about spiritual principles, okay? Everybody's good? Okay, I'm just, that's the last time I'm going to say it. All right, so the CDC has told us if, you're, if we're going to be, if we're not going to be contagious and we're not going to pass on what we've got, the first thing we need to do is stay six feet apart. I mean, it's everywhere you go. I mean, I go into a grocery store, I walk in, there's a sign telling me stay six feet apart. Got it. Every five minutes, somebody's coming over a speaker on the thing. Stay six feet apart. Got it. Finally, I'm like, would you please shut up? I know it. I got it. I'm good. Six feet apart. All right. So if, we, if we're, but the opposite of that, if we're going to move from a good culture to a growth culture, we got to get close to people. If, if what we've got is going to spread and our neighbors are going to get it and our coworkers are going to get it, amen, and the boss sitting in the cubicle is going to get it, it's not going to happen because we're six feet apart. It's going to happen because we're getting close to people. Amen. We're getting close to people. We're getting, we're getting nearer to them. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 44 that, and this is talking about, this is right after 3,000 people get added to the church all that believed, not just the 120 in the upper room, but the 3,000 that were just added to the church, all of them together, all right? The, 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 the second generation, well, I don't think there were any, the, 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 the apostles, the disciples, and the 3,000 that had just been added to the church, they all believed together. They were together and had all things in common, amen? They were all together. The first thing that we're going to have to do if we're going to be contagious is we're going to have to get rid of some of the distance that we have between us and our world. I'm not talking about us becoming worldly. I'm talking about us to going to where the world is at and us reaching them. We will not. We will not impact. We will not infect. I'm going to use that word. A world that we're not willing to get close to. It's not going to happen. We will not. We will not spread what we've got to them if we're not willing to get close to them. If you don't want to pass on, stay six feet apart. Stay distant if you don't want them to get what you've got. But if you want them to get what you've got, then we've got to get rid of some distance, amen? We've got to find some ways to get out there to where our world is at. We've got to find some ways to get closer to the people that are in this world that need what we've got. Amen. The contagious church built on what they had in common. It says they, had all, they found what they had in common and they built on that. That is the mark of a contagious church is we're finding not what differences do we have, but what do we have in common. When those new people start coming into the church, we don't need to label them and ostracize them because of what they don't have in common with us. We need to find what we do have in common. Amen. You need to, that new convert that comes in. Amen. They've got, they love coffee. Somebody in this church loves coffee. You need to find some ways that you have in common. Commonality draws us closer to one another. Amen. We need to find the things that we have in common so that we can get close to people. Why? So that we can teach them how to be more like Jesus Christ. So we can help them to grow in their relationship with the Almighty God. Amen. Amen. I remember I, I had asked my dad a little bit ago. I don't remember the names. I just know I was in a church service. I believe the preacher was Nathan Scoggins, who now pastors in San Antonio, a great preacher. In fact, one of the sermons that impacted me as a teenager, he preached a message uh, titled, When Abraham Grew Up. And, and I, I'll never forget that message. But I remember being in a service, that he, I, I believe it was him that was preaching, and he was talking about how that his uh, family, he didn't come from a saved family, and his father had left, 
I believe it was Brother Scoggins. Again, some of you will do research, and his dad's probably a preacher, and I'm way off. So if it wasn't, I know there was a preacher. I'll just give myself that disclaimer. The dad wasn't there. The mom was an alcoholic, uh, addicted to nicotine. She couldn't go without, you know, just mere minutes without getting another cigarette. And Brother Scoggins shared how that a minister, a minister's wife in that church would go by and pick that mom and, and the little kids, one of which he was, and bring them to church every service. And on the way to church, that his mom would uh, have to get out a cigarette because she was having withdrawals and she'd smoke a cigarette and that minister's wife would roll down her window and let that mom smoke. Never said anything to her about it, just let her smoke her cigarette. But over time, God began delivering and working in that family and that mom got the Holy Ghost and then those children got the Holy Ghost. And now today, that man is a pastor and a preacher of the gospel because somebody kept on loving that lady. Amen. If we're, if we're, going, if we're going to be a growth, if there's going to be a growth environment, we got to be able to reach beyond our comfort zone. We're going to have to love people that aren't like us. We're going to have to love people that don't look like us, that don't smell like us, that don't, amen, they might smell like burning leaves. Everybody know what that, anyway. They might, they might have that, 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 a little bit of a smell. They might smell like alcohol. Okay, but we got to be willing to reach beyond our comfort zone. And we got to be willing to love beyond our convenient zone. It's not always convenient to love people as they grow in Jesus Christ. Have you know people can be annoying? Uh, that was awkward. I thought I was going to get more. Okay, I get some amens now. I think y'all were afraid at first. I said people can be annoying. And when they're growing in their walk with God and you got to love them and you got to nurture them, sometimes it's not always convenient. But I, that preacher was a witness to, to me that, you know what, he is a preacher of the gospel now because somebody was willing to be inconvenienced and love somebody when it wasn't convenient to let, we got to get rid of the six-foot rule. We got to get rid of the six-foot rule, and we got to get close to our world. Amen. Well, pastor, we need to wait. You know, we got to wait a little while. Let's see how, th- listen, we're running out of time. We don't have time to wait. We don't have, we cannot afford to wait. We can't afford to wait to reach into our city. Jesus is coming, and he's coming back for lost souls. He's coming back for people Amen, but we got to re- we can't wait for a more convenient season. Amen, I, I know, I know, well, let's wait until there's no more COVID. There may never be another day when there's no more COVID. We can't afford to wait until there's no more COVID. We got to find a way to reach our community right now. And in order to do that, if you're going to be, if you're going to infect somebody with what you've got, you have to get close to them. You've got to go to where they are. Amen? Second thing they tell, you, tell us is you've got to cover your mouth. All right? One mask, two masks, three masks. All right? Cover it up. Because, anyway, again, I'm not trying to get into the weather, whatever you might think about. All I'm telling you is they're telling you that's how to keep it from spreading. Well, then if we want to spread it, guess what the opposite is? I'm not talking about your physical mask. I'm talking about open your mouth. All right, if we're going to spread the gospel, if we're going to infect people with what we've got, it's time to open our mouths. It's time to stop being silent about our testimony. We're going to have to start telling people around us, I don't care if you wear your mask while you tell them, but you've got to tell people your testimony. Amen. A growth culture is an unmasked church. A growth culture is a church that is sharing their testimony. A growth culture is a church that is sharing the gospel. A growth culture is a church that can't stop talking about the goodness of the Lord. I want you to get what I've got. 
I want you to get what I've got. I want you to get some of the droplets of anointing on you because I've got to get you infected with what I've got. And the only way we're going to do that is we've got to unmask the church and we've got to talk about the goodness of the Lord. We've got to testify of his goodness and his mercy. Amen. They told us CDC is at certain seasons, the answer is you got to lock down. Amen, you got to lock down. Shelter in place, I think was another term they use. Amen, that you got to lock down. Stay where you're at. Don't, don't mobilize. Stay where you're at. That's how we're going to stop the spread of this thing. Well, then the opposite is true. If we want to make sure this gets into everybody, amen, then the opposite is true, and that's it. We've got to get mobilized. We can't afford to be locked down. We can't afford for the power of what God is doing to just exist within this building. We've got to get it beyond this building. Amen. There's opportunities. Opportun- looking, that's another one that I'll kind of, CDC didn't mandate this one, but anybody have walked down the grocery aisle when COVID was kind of at its height and, and somebody else was coming? I, I know after a while they put one ways on the, all the aisles, which I thought was humorous, but anyway. But if you were walking down an aisle and somebody was coming the other way, it was like, it was like in a dark alley, you know, like it was, people were afraid, like literally I've had people dive to the other side of the aisle. I wasn't, I wasn't like trying to threaten them or I wasn't trying to get in, but I've had people literally dive to get out of the way of me. All right. Listen, the opposite of that is we got to be looking for opportunities. We're not trying to get out of people's way. I want to, I'm looking for opportunities. I'm looking for an opportunity. There are opportunities all around us. God is opening doors. He's giving us opportunities to share our faith. Amen. He's giving us opportunities to share the gospel, but you got to be looking for opportunities. Amen. Next one, they tell us meet in, you can't meet in groups of more than, anybody remember, no more than 10 at one point during COVID. And I remember that, you know, it was me and Brad. I think for a while, we, I don't know, I think that was it, me and Brad for a while. Me and Brad were here. That's less than 10, I think, I'm pretty sure. All right. But they tell, no, if you don't want this to spread, don't get in groups of more than 10. Well, the Acts chapter one, great culture was 120. Right? It was a great group of 120. And according to Acts 1 and 15, if you read that, it says they were all disciples. Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, which were numbered 120. All of them were, 100, all of them were disciples. It was a great culture. I mean, everybody believed the same thing. They all looked the same. Right? They, all passed, they had all been through all the levels of discipleship. All right? They had gone through 101, 201, 301, 401. They passed them all. But, but they were 120. And as long as they were just a great culture, they would have always been 120. And, and that is, if we're going to get contagious, we can't afford to just be the same 200 we've always been. There's going to have to come a shift where we realize it's not just about us all looking like each other and talking like each other and thinking the same way. we got to get bigger than that. we got to expand beyond the 200 that we are. I believe, I do believe that there is a 3,000 soul revival in this community. And I don't believe it's generations away. I believe it's here right now. But we can't be content with the great culture. We've got to be hungry for a growth culture. Amen. Amen. That growth culture, we want to affect as many as we possibly can. I'm not interested in it just being the same 200. I want, I want new people coming in. I want new families. I want new young people. I want new elders coming into the church. I want God to reach and bring them into the church. Amen. So we, we got to get beyond that mentality of just our little group. 
We're going to be contagious. It's got to be more than just us. And the last one that I'll bring out tonight, they, they told us at one point, don't celebrate. I didn't say in those words, but they said, don't get together for Thanksgiving. And don't get together for Christmas. And at one point, it was even, you know, maybe by 4th of July, you'll be able to get together. I was like, I, you, missed the, you missed some things because we've been getting together for a while. But they basically were saying don't celebrate because when you get together and celebrate, then all the people that are coming, if you get it, then you're going to take it back to where you come from. And I, if, if we're going to be a contagious church, we've got to be a church that celebrates. Amen. We got to be a church that celebrates. We got to be a church that celebrates the gospel. Amen. We got to be a church that celebrates when somebody gets baptized. Some of you remember the culture here at Living Hope years ago. When somebody got baptized, it was the biggest thing that happened all week. The whole church would stay around and we would celebrate that. And I know maybe the dynamics of our services now don't lend itself to that. But what I have what I've heard, and I believe this is true, is that culture is created by what we celebrate. If we, if we get all excited about coffee and donuts, and, and I like them too, but if that's the thing that we get most excited about, that's going to become the culture of our church. We need, we need to make sure that we are celebrating the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that we celebrate when a new convert comes down here and bows their knee and repents of their sin. We need to celebrate that. That's creating a growth culture. When a new family comes in. When a new family comes in, we need to celebrate that. Amen. I know they know when they walk in that we're a friendly church, but they need to know more than just a friendly church, we're celebrating the fact that you are here. So I've got bad news for CDC, but we're not going to stop celebrating. We're not going to stop celebrating. Amen. We're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. We're going to celebrate Christmas. We're going to celebrate Fourth of July. Every opportunity we get, we're going to celebrate new converts. We're going to celebrate baptisms. We're going to celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're going to celebrate worship. We're going to celebrate praise. Stand with me if you would. Amen. It's a great church. It really is. Those aren't, that's not, I'm, I promise you, I'm not just saying that's a great church. But I believe God is going to begin transforming this church from a great culture to a growth culture. Doesn't mean we lose what we have been. Doesn't mean we lose our great culture. It means we build on that. So the things that we need to do, we need to get rid of the distance. Okay, again, I'm, whatever, COVID. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm just using that as a framework. But we, need to get, we need to close the gap between us and the world that is out there. We need to find ways to get active in our community. Coach Bell had me come today and speak to the students there in his classroom. And I know last week, I think it was a couple weeks ago, last week, Brother Silvati got to talk to him. And today he invited me to come out there and uh, say, you know, I felt like Newt Rockney out there. Uh, or I don't know, some of you are like, who's that? Okay, um, uh, Joe Gibbs. Uh, everybody's still like, who's that? Uh, great coach. I, got, I had an opportunity to stand in front of these kids and give them a motivational speech and he announced me as his pastor. You know what I was? I'm building relationships with those young men. All right? And, and, and I, Coach Bell is opening doors and opportunities for us to impact some. Listen, you gotta get, we got to get to where they're at. They're, they're not coming here until we go there. And God's going to start opening doors for you all to impact this community. And we got to get close to them. we got to get rid of the six feet. Because to, the, to our world out there, there's a great gap between us and them. There's a, there's a huge gap between us. And we're not very contagious as long as that gap is there. But when we go to where they are at and we can tell them that Jesus loves them and, and there's joy for you and there's, you guys can come ahead, there's peace for you. 
take our mask off. We start sharing. How many of you got a testimony? Everybody got a testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We need to start. Your testimony is the most powerful weapon you have in reaching. Say weapon. That doesn't sound like you're reaching somebody. The most powerful tool that you have in reaching. They can argue doctrine with you. They can argue oneness. They can argue, do you need to be baptized in Jesus' name? What they can't argue is, I used to be a drug addict. What they can't argue is, my marriage was almost destroyed, but Jesus came and rescued me. They cannot argue with your testimony. So you, if you don't know the doctrine, we, we'll help you with that, but you know your testimony, and that's what you need to be telling people. Everywhere you go, you need to tell people about the goodness of the Lord. Amen. So we're going to take our masks off. It's not, we're, we're not just going to get together with our ten. Amen. We're going to reach this community. I don't want to be the same 200 a year from now. I would love to be running five services on a Sunday because we have to, because a thousand people want to come and experience what God is doing at Living Hope. I would love to. Amen. Everybody's like, eh. If I got to bring a boom box in here and play it, I'll do it. Because the reason we exist is to reach lost souls, not so we can have are 120 in an upper room. So what we get in the upper room can bring 3,000 one day and 5,000 the next day. As many as the Lord would add, amen, daily, such as the Lord, such as should be saved, he added to the church. That's what I want, amen. If I got to bring a boom box in here and they be my orchestra and sing and play the drum, which I know you guys would be fine with coming, but if that's what I got to do so that we can accommodate the people that God is bringing, we'll do it. We'll do whatever we've got to do because I want to infect I want to be contagious. I want us to raise our hands together. I want us to pray, and I want to ask God, God, help us to become contagious. Lord, help us to take this great culture that you've given us as a church. But, Lord, not to depart from that great culture, but to build on that, Lord, to build on that and get rid, get, get the distance, the gap that is there. But don't, don't you know that's why God came down in the form of humanity? is to close the gap between himself and mankind. Amen. To bring salvation to men. And if God would put on the robe of flesh and he would come down to a lost and dying world, amen, just to close the gap, how much more should we be willing to close the gap? In Jesus' name, Lord, I'm going to share my testimony. I want you to commit right now. Between now and Sunday, I'm going to share my testimony with one person. How many of you will commit to that? One person. All right, it can't be your children. All right, it can't be, don't like turn around to somebody before you're dismissed and tell them. All right, again, that's the 120. We're not talking about the 120 here. We're talking about the 3,000. So how many of you are commit to sharing your testimony with one person? All right, and listen, if every one of us will do that, you're going to get some of those droplets on somebody. And they're, Ooh, I want what you've got. Well, they, I, I want that. that. That thing you're talking about, I felt it when you, I, I need that. I need that. I need that in my life. Amen. Jesus, I thank you tonight. I pray. I pray your blessing upon this great church, the great culture that we have as a church. I believe truly the attributes of the Acts 1 church are alive and prospering in this congregation. I believe that we love one another. I believe, I believe if it came down to it, we, we could endure 10 days together shut in this building. I believe we could if it came down to it. I believe that there is preaching that challenges the church. I believe all of the attributes. We are praying, church. We pray together. We fellowship. We have unity. All of the attributes. But Lord, I believe there's a lost world outside of the walls of this building. That God, they need to hear the gospel. Lord, that time is running out. We, we can't wait for a more convenient season. 
I don't want to be, oh God, like that king that when he was told by, the, by Paul that, 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 that you got you to repent, that he said, well, come back when it's a more convenient season. But Lord, I want to be a church that says now, now we've got to go. Now we've got to reach our city. Now we've got to reach our world. Now we've got to get rid of that gap that stands between us and a lost and dying world. Now we've got to become unmasked and we've got to tell our testimony and tell of the goodness of Jesus so that you can reach this city. In Jesus' name, and if you're with me, if you're ready for God to transform this culture of this church from a great culture to a growth culture, I just want to ask you to come and we're going to stand together and we're going to commit to that, that God, we're ready to be, again, that transformation from Acts 1 to 2, from great to growth, was a work of the Holy Ghost. It It was because of the Holy Ghost. And this transformation that God is going to do is not going to be because Pastor Staten comes up with some vision and some six-month plan. It's going to be because the Holy Ghost does the work. And He gives us a boldness. And He gives us courage. And He gives us a hunger for the lost. Amen? Amen. So as the musicians play and the singers sing. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.